All right, well, good morning again. It's good to see all of you. If you have a Bible, please grab it and try to make your way to uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. We'll also have it on the screens this morning. Uh, but uh, again, I want to just kind of echo John with his thanks to all of you who let us you know, pour into your kids this week. And then also want to say thank you to the kids for how awesome y'all were all week. It was so much fun to hang out with you guys. Uh, again, echoing John, 70 plus volunteers this week that made this happen. And then John gave lots of props to other people, but of course he didn't give props to himself. So let's do that now. Let's thank John for all his work. As a thank you to him, we're sending him on a flight this afternoon down to the beach where, not to hang out, but to the mission trip, to the VBS that they're going to be putting on. So he's going there as soon as his service is over, so no rest for the weary. Uh, he's headed down there, um, but be praying for them and for that trip. But this week, VBS was all about sports, all right? So which, if you know John, that's hilarious because he hates sports, all right? <laughs> But for me, I loved it because I'm all about sports. Uh, and so it just was really fitting. We had this motto that was uh, gear up, get ready, game on. And so from a sports theme, it was just really fitting. And so like growing up, I, you know, I was a decent little baseball, football and basketball player, but I found my niche in track and field later on. And this idea of gearing up, getting ready game on is really fitting for that. Like from the standpoint of, of gear up, like as a runner, you don't need a whole lot of gear, right? You need a pair of shoes, basically. But it's important, free running advice here for those of you who are runners, don't skimp on your shoes, all right? Have someone analyze your gait, understand your foot strike, and get you in the right kind of shoe. So it's important that you have, <clears throat> excuse me, that you have the right kind of shoe from a gear up standpoint, but then it's also important that you have like a legit coach and a training plan so you know what you're to do, so you're gearing up in that way. But then uh, the, ne the next step, this idea of, of getting ready, getting ready to like make or break it in the running world, your, your training that you do. It's, it's where you make or break, you know, if you're going to be successful or not in that sport. So, for example, <clears throat> when I was a junior in high school, I lost the state championship by f in the mile by five thousandths of a second. So that's point zero zero five. Right? It took them four hours to figure out who had won, even with fully automatic timing and a stretch photo finish, because it was that close. Right? So after I lost that, I thought to myself, "Well, I'll be danged if it's even going to be close next year." So I went out that summer and I busted my tail. I ran 600 miles that next summer as just like base training for the next year. And that led me to next year easily win the state championship and wind up ranked in the top 10 in the country in the mile. I ran 412 as a senior. And then I got a scholarship and went to Georgia Tech and I ran 403 as a sophomore before a series of Achilles injuries derailed my running career. But the point in all of that is that getting ready, that preparation, that hard work. So you gear up, you get ready, and then game on. When it's race day, I mean, it's just like all the training's done, all the haze in the barn. Now it's time to see, like, what do you got? How tough can you be? How fast can you run? And so you've got this gear up, get ready, and then it's game <clears throat> on. And so in the running world, it's very linear. This leads to this, leads to this, leads to this. You gear up, you get ready, game on. But in the race of life, it's not so linear. We're, we're to be actually doing all of these things all the time. 
And we are to continually be gearing up, continually be getting ready, and continually living with a game-on type of mindset. And that sounds like a whole lot of things to be trying to do at the same time and carry all of that out. But here's the, the trick with that. God has given us everything we need for life and godliness, right? That's what the kids just quoted a little bit earlier from 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own goodness and glory. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about how it is that we live this life of just continual, you know, gearing up, getting ready, and game on. All of those things at the same time, and we'll do it out of this verse and the verses surrounding it in Second Peter chapter 1. And so if you want to take notes, there's going to be two points to this sermon. The first one is that we've got to rely on what we've been given, okay? Rely on what you've been given. And then the second one is live it out in increasing measure. Live it out in increasing measure. So if you've got your Bible open to 2 Peter chapter 1, that's great. We're also going to have the words on the screen this morning as well. <clears throat> Let's read this text together. 2 Peter chapter 1, little short letter of three uh, chapters written by the Apostle Peter, the disciple Peter, to churches in Asia Minor. And here's what it says. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith equal to ours <clears throat> through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you, thank you, through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. By these, he's given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature escaping or having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with, God, with goodness. Goodness with knowledge. Knowledge with self-control. Self-control with endurance. Endurance with godliness and Godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. And so again, if we're going to live a life of continually gearing up, getting ready, and living a life of game on. And number one, again, we have to rely on what we've been given. And verse 3 tells us here we've been given everything required for life and godliness. But the background and the foundation for that is, is there in verse 1. What we've been given in verse 1. And so look at that again or read it again. To those who have received a faith equal to ours through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so gearing up for life's big game, that was another little motto of this week, it, it begins right here. It begins with faith. Because like, here's the cliff notes of the Bible. 
You and me and everybody on the planet is a sinner. I'm not better than you. You're not better than me. We're all sinners. We're all in the same boat. We have sins of omission where we don't do what we should. We have sins of commission where we do what we shouldn't. We sin with our deeds and with our motives, with our actions, with our thoughts. We're all sinners. And deep down, I think we all kind of know this. And that's why some of us struggle with regret and guilt and shame. We're sinners. And God is perfect and holy and almighty and just. And therefore, we deserve judgment. Okay, that's our plight. That's our situation. But this is where the good news of Jesus comes in. As Jesus came and took our punishment for us. The, the, the perfect life of sinlessness that we should live, that God demands that we live, but we haven't. Jesus came and did it for us. And then the condemnation for our sin that we deserve, the just penalty for our sin, Jesus came and paid it for us. And then to show that it, that was true and that God accepted this substitute sacrifice, God raised him from the dead. And friends, one of the things that's so important to understand with this, just to see the love of Christ for you, is that when Jesus went to the cross and died for you, he went knowing full well everything you've ever done. Every God-belittling thought, every God-mocking action, every act of rebellion, knowing all of that, God still sent Jesus to come and rescue you. That's grace. It's like on the cross, the Father treated Jesus as if he'd lived your life so that he could treat you as if you'd lived Jesus' life. Jesus takes our sin. He gives us his righteousness. This is the gospel. This is the good news. And this becomes ours through faith. Faith that Jesus is the Son of God and faith that we can be made right with the God of the universe, not on the basis of anything we do, but only on the basis of what Jesus did. His life, his death, his resurrection. And so before you can really even begin to live a, a, a life of, of game on, you first have to gear up with faith. And so if you've never done that, let me encourage you, trust Christ. Ask him to save you. Put your faith in Him. If you'd like to talk a little bit about that afterwards, I'd love to. Or any of our elders would. But getting back to the text now, if we're going to live this life of gearing up, getting ready, and game on, we've got to rely on what we've been given. And so we've been given faith, but not only that, verse 3, we've been given everything required for life and godliness. And by life here, Peter's talking about eternal life. And then with godliness, he's talking about living a life pleasing to God here and now. And so we've been given everything we need to have eternal life. And we've been given everything we need so that we can live a godly life now. And again, this has been given to us. I can't emphasize that enough. It's been given to us. We didn't earn it. It's been given to us by Christ, you can look at it there, divine power through the knowledge of Him. 
And so Peter's not just talking about this, you know, just knowing about Jesus, but actually knowing him personally. So I can know about Marcus Mariota. I can know about Pekka Rene and that he's an amazing goalie except in the playoffs. I can know these things about them, but that doesn't mean I know them. And it's the same thing with Christ. You can know stuff about Christ without actually knowing him. And so do you, know, do you know about Jesus or do you know Jesus? That's something to think through. And so verse 1, it says we've been given faith. Verse 3, we've been given life and godliness. And then verse 4, we've also been given very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. What Peter's talking about here with these great promises is the promise of heaven. Specifically, it's the promise of Christ coming again and fully and finally making right everything that's gone wrong in this broken world. Bringing his visible and his eternal and his kind rule to the earth and there will be no more injustice, there will be no more sin, there will be no more greed or war or poverty or famine or disease or sickness or sadness or death or syndromes. The former things will have passed away. Behold, God will make all things new. He has given us these promises and God always keeps his promises. Always. And so if you are a Christian or when you become one, you are given all of these things, faith, life and godliness, very great and precious promises. And as a text keeps doing, I want to emphasize as well, these are things God gives you. We don't earn them. He gives them to us in his grace. But we've got to learn to rely on them actively. Not just kind of passively. And so let me take us back to track and field again for a minute. The, the ability and the talent that I had to run was nothing I earned. Right? God just gave it to me for his purposes. It, it led me to what I do today. And God is always at work in the ordinary. We're always, we talked about that last week. We always look for the extraordinary. But God works primarily through the ordinary daily means of life. Just take joy in that. He's at work in your life. He's always at work like in 10,000 things at one time. You might be aware of three. He's at work. Always. But anyhow, I didn't earn that. It's just something that he, he gave to me. I, I couldn't earn it, right? I don't get to decide, hey, I want to be 6'9 and be a great basketball player. I, I, you, God just gives you what he gives you for his purposes. And so this talent that he gave me was a basic foundation of my running. But if all I ever did was just kind of have a passive reliance on my talent, well, I'm not really going to go anywhere. I'm not going to really accomplish anything. But I've got to have an active reliance that builds upon the talent that I've been given. And it's the same for us as followers of Christ, if you are a follower of Christ. We're not to just have this simple acknowledgement of our foundation and a passive reliance on the resources he's given us. Rather, it's to be an active reliance on what we've been given in Christ. Actively relying on that. And this is fleshed out more in what we're going to talk about now. Number two in your notes. Not only are we to rely on what we've been given, but number two, we're to live it out in increasing measure. 
Live it out in increasing measure because it is one thing to say you believe in something, but it is something entirely different to live it. But that's what we're called to do. And so look at verses 5 through 7. They'll be on the screen as well. I'll read these with me. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. And so whereas Peter talked about in verse 1 the root of salvation, faith, here now he's talking about the fruit of salvation. All right, what a Christian should look like. Part of our job description if you are a Christian. If you are not a Christian, this is what a Christian should look like. If you are wondering what a Christian should look like, it is these qualities. If you are a Christian, my question for you is, how are you doing with these? How am I doing with these? Are we living a life of faith? Are we living a life of, of, of growing goodness? Growing in knowledge of Christ and His Word? Growing in self-control? Controlling our lust? Controlling our temper? Controlling our tongue? Controlling our ego? Controlling our selfishness? All right, we're to have endurance. The Christian life is not a sprint. It's a marathon. And there's going to be days where we don't live these things out. And we've got to rely on what we've been given. We've been given forgiveness. We remember the forgiveness and the grace that Jesus gets, gives us. And we remember that he's a good father. And he picks us up and he dusts us off. And he says, go again, son. Go again, daughter. And so we get back up. We get back in the saddle and we go. And then to this endurance, we're also to add godliness. And like so many of these things that are called for here, these things, like it's both commanded and it is supplied. I mean, verse 3, it says we've been given everything we need for godliness. Yet here we're called to pursue it as well. We've got to fight for it. We've got to actively rely on it. All right, next it says we're to have brotherly affection. And the Greek word here is Philadelphia. Literally, that's what it, the Greek word is. So you, you want to know Greek? Greek word that you can know. Philadelphia. It means brotherly love, brotherly affection. That's why Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. But the idea here is just treating every person as if they have a soul. Because they do. And treating every person as if they were made in the image of God. Because they are. Every person. There's no pecking order in like image of God, not image of God. Soul, not soul. Every person matters to God equally. Do you live like that? Do you think like that? We're called to. And we're called to love and this is the last and the highest virtue in this list. And the reason is because if we are growing in that quality, by default, we'll grow in all the others. I mean, listen to the description of love in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It is not boastful. It is not arrogant. It's not rude. 
It's not self-seeking. It's not irritable. It does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Is that a description of the kind of love that you have? Is that a description of the kind of love that I have? Are we growing in this quality? Are we seeking to grow so that our love looks like that? And the reason I say growing is because verses 8 and 9 make clear that it's not enough to just like have a little taste of these character qualities, that, but we must grow in them. And growth takes action, not just possession. Okay, again, it's an active reliance. So look at verse 8 on the screens. For if you possess these qualities, all right, that long list we just walked through. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. And so again, the key here is that while relying on what we've been given, we live it out in increasing measure. Verse 8, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure. Okay, it's to be increasing. We can't just grow comfortable with a casual Christianity. From the moment you become a follower of Christ to the moment you go home to be with the Lord or He comes again, we must always be seeking to grow. Relying on what we've been given, but seeking to live it out in increasing measure. And so Super Bowl 52 this year, like every year, there are all kinds of great commercials, right? So this year you had uh, Danny DeVito in the Eminem commercial. You had the Pringles commercial that I thought was hilarious. My favorite is probably the Tide ad. And if you guys remember that one, the guy from Stranger Things, it was hilarious. You can go Google it afterwards if you don't know what I'm talking about, but it was a good one. But probably one of my most memorable commercials, or, or one of my favorites for me, was a FedEx commercial from several years ago that spoofed the movie Castaway. And so if you've seen the movie Castaway, you, you know like Tom Hanks plays this guy who is a FedEx employee, and uh, he, they've been in Moscow or something, they're flying, they go through a storm, the plane crashes, he washes up, he's the only one who survives, washes up on a deserted tropical island all by himself, all the packages comes up, and he opens all, pretty much all of them except one to, you know, help him survive. And so he survives for like four or five years, he eventually gets off the island, he builds a raft, gets picked up by a, car, a, a cargo ship, He's discovered or whatever. <clears throat> but he had kept this one package on the island that he just re refused to open because he, he just lived with this hope that someday I'm going to get off this island and I'm going to be able to deliver at least one package. And so it's just this kind of hope that he had. So he gets rescued, and if you've seen the movie, he goes and he delivers it, he drops it off, he drives off, end of the movie. But the ad, the, the commercial, had a little bit of a play at the end. And so he comes to the house with this package. And he says, listen, I have been on an island for five years. 
But I lived with the hope of being able to someday deliver this package to the owner. And so here, and so she takes it and she you know, says thank you or something. But he, he presses it, but I, I got to know. I've been holding this, like, what's inside this? And so she opens it up and she's like, oh, nothing really. Just a satellite telephone, a GPS, a compass, and some seeds. The point is, he had that in his possession. But he didn't utilize it. He didn't rely on it. And for us, we've been given all of these gifts, everything that we need for life and godliness. But it's not enough to just hold it. We've got to take it out of the box and live it out in increasing measure. That's what it means to live a life that's continually gearing up, continually getting ready, and continually just living with a game-on mindset. Gear up for life's big game by relying on what we've been given and living it out in increasing measure. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. They are new every day. You never give up on us. Your grace has no limit. Your goodness knows no bounds. And you're generous. You give and you give and you give. Father, let us not be hoarders of your generosity and your gifts that you've given us, but let us be active participants alongside of you in both what you're trying to do in our lives and in what you want to do in others' lives. And so, Father, I pray for anyone in here who may not know you as their Lord and Savior, that you would be like a pebble in their shoe and would annoy them until they cannot ignore you. And that they would come to trust you as their Lord and Savior. Would you work in the hearts of men and women and boys and girls for the praise of your glorious grace and the good of our own souls. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.